Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmidt, Swanee and Clarkie visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right, how are we? Oh, uh, I'm well, thank Very you. Well. And yourselves? How are you both? Oh, not too bad, not too bad, yeah. A little cheery after a couple of rosés and a uh, sad story. Well, it was sort of uplifting. He got off in the end, but it was only by absolute miracle, frankly, but yeah. Yeah, but MP didn't. Oh, I know, that was bad, yeah, true, true. Yes, as Swanee said at the outset, someone has to die for this to be a story. <laughs> story. And oh, I'm just God. sorry that I've murdered her yeah, name from yeah. the outset, but hopefully, hopefully it got a bit better. Oh, can you just say something for me, Swanee? Can you say Monica? Monica? Yeah. Say it again, Monica. Not monkey <laughs> Monica? <laughs> oh, I did say that. Oh, sorry. Oh, I know Mon- Monica. Would that be his gang, <laughs> Monica, <laughs> not his gang, monkey <laughs> <laughs> As that came out, as that came out, no, it wasn't, no. And you know what? I actually didn't know that was wrong. But as it came out, I thought, "Fuck, I've got a feeling." Anyway, anyway, what did I? What did I say? Monkeyer, which is very funny. (laughs) (laughs) That was his street monkeyer or something. (laughs) Okay, so yes, sorry, listeners, we were just we're doing it back to back, and still we're still processing the last episode so yes we, i don't really have any news in the five minutes that i went to the bathroom in between <laughs> anyone else anything amazing happened for you uh i can't say that i heard yeah literally okay. nothing All right, cool. zero yeah, All right, well on that zilch. we might introduce ourselves i'm schmitty i'm swanny and i'm clarky and together we are trial by wine uh, oh very exciting <laughs> that was good and what are we drinking uh, um, we're polishing off the bottle of rosé that we started with in the last mm. episode um, and then we were umming and ahhing about whether we should rip the scab off another one, but we'll see how the story yeah, goes. fair enough. And Swanee, have you finished either of your cans? No, I finished the coke. I'm now just still finishing off the uh, sparkling water. How nice. riveting for our listeners. Oh, you Swanee one can. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. I've gone. Because you were two oh. cans. Quite. <laughs> the fundamental problem with this fancy bottle of rosé is it's got... You have a drinking problem? It's got problem? this very pretty bottle with a funny little glass stopper. That, is yeah, it the glass top? Yeah, the glass top. I can't get it yeah, out. Glass top. I hate I the glass stopper. Maybe two thumbs. Oh, and then you'll break, you'll break the two top thumbs or something. Glass oh, my shards God, it's just impossible to them. open. That's enough reason not oh, to buy it. Oh, Jesus. Two thumbs. You've got to lube it first. Yeah, good idea. Might just leave it out for now. Yeah, I'm still on the Gerard Bertrand Cote de Roses, uh, which is mm. okay. It's not bad. If it... But how much have you got left? Are you are you halfway through? Are we on the same? I've, I've just oh, poured yeah, right. a glass well from that, though. We're so on about the same I would say I had two glasses in the last episode. Yeah. yeah. All right, whose story is it? Pick me, pick um, me. I've got one. Oh, okay. No! Yay! Thank you. All righty. Well, how about we go with my story? Let's do that. Today, I'm going to continue the uh, theme of places we visited. And you recall last time we were in Malta and we did the terrible murder of Daphne Caruana Galizia. That came up on the Daily Mail the other day. So, as you believe it. Yeah, like, you know. 
Did it really? A couple of stories down, I looked at it. I thought, is that? And I was like, yeah, I knew the name. And I was like, yeah, it was. It was. They were talking about something on the Daily Mail of all things. Anyway, so as we were um, on our way uh, out of Malta to head to our next country, um, we missed our flight. So we're stuck in Malta and we're going to have another Maltese story. Okay. Also, because when I was looking at strange Maltese crimes, this one was a standout uh, was very high up as well so i'll tell you about it i'd love to tell you that it's going to be hilarious however that would be be like right although if you can make it hilarious for our (sighs) listeners that would be great give it a go can i just say one thing we're going to end up with like we've had cruise crimes we're going to end up with multis murders i don't know it depends on murders Maltesers. That's enough Maltesers. I like it. Okay, so let me tell you about my sources. Uh, So first up, Times Malta, The Shift, Reddit, Scarlet Blog. Now, I've got to say right off the bat, Scarlet Blog did an amazing telling of this story. And so I've used it a lot. I've reworded bits of it, but full credit goes to the writer of Scarlet Blog, who I couldn't find her full name. Scarlet? I think it was (laughs) R. Scarlet. Yeah, I think Scarlet was the surname. Okay. Malta Independent, Truth Be Told, Ancient Origins, and the Evidence Locker podcast. And Swanee, similar to yours, guess what's missing? Wikipedia. Wiki. Ah. Wikipedia. Lad Bible. <laughs> and that's that's because Scarlet Blog. Just the way the timeline of it and everything, um, she did a really good job of putting it all together. And look, so. no disrespect to Scarlet Blog. blog yeah, good job But to it her. does sound a bit like blob. <laughs> it, it makes it, – it's just got connotations of a really oh. bad period. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you the story of Mike Manchult, which takes us all the way back to July 2016. Mm. It's only seven mm. years ago. So at the time, Mike is a seven-year-old teenager. He's quiet, fun-loving, conscientious and adventurous. He's just finished school and finished top of his class. So clearly he's a smart kid too. His father instilled a wanderlust in him as a young boy, taking him on overseas trips, including a two-year-long sailing adventure when he was six years old. So Mike is no stranger to travel. His parents are divorced. And his father is remarried, but he has a good relationship with both parents. In fact, all parents, including the the, steps. The school holidays are upon Mike. And whilst he's looking forward to his holiday, he has a lot to look forward to when they end. And Swanee, I have have concerns that maybe one day you're going to have to run three boys who are like Mike around. He has an apprenticeship with Airbus, the plane builders, something he had to beat hundreds of applicants to get. He also has plans to travel to Iceland to run his first marathon with his father. However, his immediate plan is to head to Malta to meet up with his girlfriend who is studying there. He plans to stay for approximately two weeks and flies out on the 8th of July. Mike leaves his mum to fly to Malta and at the same time his dad is holidaying in Croatia. So he's getting around him. He's got Where big plans. Where were they plans. from initially? Germany. Oh, I missed that. I did missed I say that? that? I did not. <laughs> Excellent question. So no, I, was, I, I assumed he said I was, I, was, and I was embarrassed. I was like, God, I've really missed where they're from. Because at first I, I was like, his last from- name too. It, it, it sort of dropped Mike. out for a sec. Mike what? Mike Mansholt. Okay, thanks. So, Swanee, we often talk about how you're running around. Yes, you know, mum's taxi. From this to that with your kids and everything. And, and I, I feel like that, you know, you're going to have to run them from Germany to 
Iceland to do a marathon and then down to Malta to meet his girlfriend. They'd be lucky we, at this we point. We need to find a, an extraction plan for you. Oh, they'd be like, Oh god! Uh, oh, I would. I'd happily do the travel, but yes, we've got to mm. be better than driving them around the suburbs to do different sports and things. Yeah, true, true. I'd take that. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, where did we get to? Oh, yes. Okay. So, fast forward two weeks, and Mike's mum and sister are waiting at Bremen Airport, excited to see him again. His flight is LH three hundred and sixty from Frankfurt to Bremen, and is scheduled to land at around ten fifteen p.m. However, the flight is delayed for hours and his mother and sister are becoming anxious due to the delays. And then the announcement comes that the flight is cancelled altogether. This comes as a surprise as they've not heard anything from Mike, who would normally have phoned to advise of any delay at his end. They assume he's stuck in Frankfurt and call him to make sure he's okay, but his phone is dead. They call again and again, still nothing. Mike's mum speaks to the airline and finds out that not only is he not in Frankfurt, but he never made the flight from Malta to Frankfurt. By now she is super worried and goes to Oldenburg Police Station where she reports him missing at 2am. The police are concerned about what his mother tells them and list him as a missing person straight away, giving the case a high priority. As part of the investigation, they reach out to the Maltese police who advise that he's been missing for the past four days. Oh, my God. In fact, he was last seen... In fact, he was last seen on the island when he rented a bike on July 18th but never returned. The hotel manager reported him missing when she became aware that he hadn't returned. The case is handed over to Germany's International Police, the BKA. I had a lot of trouble with BKA because of BTK, (laughs) but it's BKA. So let's not get that confused. Mm -hmm. And Interpol become involved. When Mike's dad learns of his disappearance... He gets the first flight available to Malta along with Mike's brother, Daniel. They have a stopover at Frankfurt and take the opportunity to speak to police to see if they know anything, which they don't. He's understandably worried, particularly because his phone is dead, because Mike's phone is dead. Perhaps he was robbed or he lost his phone and he missed his flight. That's, I guess, the optimistic Mm. viewpoint that his father takes. He continues on to Malta where he gets further details of the investigation and he's updated as to Mike's last movements. So let's talk about Mike's last known movements. Mike stays in a hostel in Salima in the east of Malta. It's located on the northeast coast of Malta in the Northern Harbour District. It is a major residential and commercial area and a centre for shopping, bars, dining and cafe life. I feel like it's kind of the place that we would like to stay mm, at when we go to Malta. Nice. The hotel is called the Astra Hotel and CCTV in the hotel records Mike leaving on the morning of July 18th. He leaves his room at 8.39am. I can't remember. She was studying there. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember, but it's not relevant to the the case. Bundes, you should ask the Bundes, what is it, Kriminalamt. That's what you should do. The BKA. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Bundeskriminalamt. I just went with the acronym Bundes because Kriminalamt. I thought I'm going to make It's really <laughs> hard to say. Bundeskriminalamt something. <laughs> yeah, mm, yeah. Was ist mein yeah. Handy? I mean, was no... mm, Bundeskriminalamt. It's Stephen Fry. I love your mind, it's Handy. Stephen Fry. I'm stealing from him big it's time. It's so good. Yeah. I don't care. I love, I love the way you do it. He leaves his room at 8.39am. At 9.10am, 
Mike returns to the reception to pay for his stay. He goes back to his room and then stays there for a little bit, less than an hour, before locking his door and leaving the hotel through the lobby at 9.55. He can be seen walking away on the CCTV footage of the hotel wearing a blue T-shirt, his backpack slung over his shoulder and carrying his mobile phone in his hand. His black backpack contains his GoPro camera and valuables. It is a warm, sunny day. The sky is cloudless. He walks to the harbour nearby and rents a mountain bike for a full day. It is of the brand Lombardo 270 and in the colours black and blue. Word is that he wants to go to the town of Rabat, where he, which has a famous underground catacombs with ancient tombs. At 10.11am, he sends a message through WhatsApp. It is a voice message to an unknown person. His message, word for word, although translated from German, says... Okay, I'm renting a bike and driving through Malta today. However, the roads are so steep. I'll send you a photo shortly. You can only walk up them in some parts. With the bike, it's not possible, but it does not matter. It's a sporting challenge, and I like that. So remember, he's going to do a marathon in Iceland, so he's pretty fit. This is the last thing the police know of Mike's movements. So Burnt, his dad, and Daniel keep in close contact with the police following their steps as best they can. They also start helping local search groups who are searching for Mike. All of Malta's islands are searched and police check if Mike took any ferries or local planes. Flyers are distributed everywhere and tips are traced. One man in hospital hallucinating on medication claims, for instance, to have seen Mike. I thought I saw his face, the sick man says, before falling asleep again. But his claims are quickly ruled false. Another man says he saw Mike in a local drugs bar, but when not a single witness confirms his story, it is also quickly cast aside again. Burnt, however, follows up on every single lead and tip he receives. Police also try to keep Mike's mother informed about all the developments, but according to their written report, she is overcome with fear and too emotional to talk, which is quite understandable, really. So on July the 24th, the BKA, mine handy... <laughs> checks whether Mike has taken another flight home to Germany. It takes about an hour until results of the inquiry filter back. No flight movements. Mike remains missing. Then on the 26th of July, eight days after Mike was reported missing, Maltese police receive an anonymous tip about Mike. The source has never been identified or made public. The tip-off leads investigators and Burnt and Daniel to the Dingley Cliffs 250-metre-high cliffs on the island's west coast. The cliffs are the highest point of Malta and overlook the Mediterranean. They're also close to Rabat, which fits the theory that Mike did indeed first go to see the catacombs before heading on to check the lovely view at the cliffs. Search dogs and paramedics are sent to the cliffs, and when Mike's father arrives, TV crews with cameras are already waiting for him. Emergency crews and an ambulance also arrive. After hours of searching, they find the body of Mike at the bottom of the cliffs, hidden under some bushes and under the, under the cliff overhang. The place cannot be seen from above the cliffs. His bike is found in an overhanging bush above his body. It has a flat back tyre and the saddle is twisted, but is otherwise damage free. Police place the body in a body bag and investigate. Mike's body is barefoot and his shoes and sunglasses are found near the body. However, his backpack cannot be found anywhere, despite investigators knowing for a fact that Mike took it with him on the morning of the 16th of July, as confirmed by hotel staff and CCTV. 
Now, I did see somewhere that in Germany it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's common, but Mike had um, hidden his backpack at times when he'd gone riding and then come back and got it so that he didn't have to carry it around with him all day. But whether he would actually do that in a foreign country, yeah, there's no evidence that, that that is something he would normally do. Um, so the content of the backpack is also missing, obviously, including Mike's black Samsung Galaxy Note, his GoPro action camera, his credit card and several hundred euros in cash, as well as his hat and phone charger. Oddly, there is some fresh hay found next to the body that had not been affected by the sun yet. The farmer who owns this piece of land is interviewed and Byrne asks him about Mike and the pieces of hay, but he denies knowing anything about it. Byrne asks the farmer about the backpack and says that the farmer behaves strangely towards him, which he tells the police. However, nothing further happens. The missing camera is highly suspicious to Burnt. He says that Mike loved taking photos and recording virtually everything. Burnt believes he would have recorded parts of his mountain bike ride on the day of his disappearance. Mike used to wear the camera in a case attached to his belt, and Burnt raises this with a female officer at the scene who says that she did see the GoPro camera's black case strapped on Mike's body with a belt when she was down on the beach below the cliffs. She guarded the body for a long time and declares in front of witnesses to have seen the case on Mike's body. Burned is hopeful that he'll be able to get the footage, but then finds out that it has not been found and other police deny that the camera was present on the body. They do not know where the GoPro camera is and when he challenges the female officer, she suddenly denies to have ever said that she saw the case. The police's first theory is that Mike fell down the cliff and made a tumble with his bike. Mm. To Burnt, this seems unlikely, as the location of the body makes it hard to imagine that he took a straight fall. It would be impossible to end up where the body was found, hidden well under the overhang. So if you can imagine there's an overhang of the cliff and he's ended up somehow under it. Nevertheless, police right away rule it an accidental death and declare that Mike fell 30-something metres and rolled under the overhang. An employee of a doctor who is present at the scene tells Burnt that Mike's neck is broken in two places and the lad would have died a quick death as a result. Funnily enough, Burnt finds this odd given that no X-ray or autopsy has been performed. Mm. Furthermore, the body is unrecognisable at the time due to significant decomposition that has occurred in the Maltese heat. So they actually gave Burnt an opportunity to ID the body and he couldn't. DNA testing later confirms that it is Mike. But Burnt and the rest of the family have to wait four whole weeks for these results. Other findings from the autopsy are that Mike has been dead for seven to eight days and that he has no broken bones anywhere on his body, contradicting the report from the doctor on site. Burnt is understandably surprised at this news and calls the police officer in charge of the investigation to ask about the results, but she is evasive. Burnt grows suspicious after this as he feels that the questions are not being answered. He also gets the feeling that the local officers want him to leave Malta and the investigation now that his son's body has been found. So they're basically going, oh, well, see here. we've worked it all out now. Yeah, you're just a thorn in our side. You should go. After he challenges the police about their changing statements about the GoPro camera, the Maltese Forensic Department find an old-fashioned digital Canon photo camera and present this to Burnt, asking him to more or less back off and leave them alone. The camera looks nothing like Mike's silver GoPro Hero 2 with 64 gigabytes and is much older. The camera is accompanied by a destroyed memory card, which they say went with the GoPro. Mike's family can now smell a defective detective. 
or perhaps a defective department. When Bernd asks who could have stolen the rest of Mark's missing possessions, he is told that the people of Malta would never rob a body of its belongings <laughs> and that tourists must have stolen them. Oh, backpack. yeah, foreigners. Gypsies, tramps and thieves. <laughs> and thieves. Mm-hmm. They, we hear it from the people of the town. Despite his dissatisfaction with the investigation, Bernd needs to return to Germany for a while. So he does. And on the 17th of August, Mike's body arrives back in Germany. Three days later, on his 18th birthday, he isn't running a marathon in Iceland as originally planned, but he's laying in a casket in Oldenburg. The funeral director raises two immediate concerns. Firstly, the body looks completely sunken in. All the volume is gone. Secondly, Mike isn't embalmed or prepared in any way. Would he have been? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So remember, the investigation is still ongoing, Mm. and by not embalming the body... Germany now have a very big problem doing a second opinion Mm. autopsy. German police are informed and share that they also were suspicious when handling the body at the airport as it seemed way too light. Mike's remains only weighed about 16 kilos or 35 pounds for those who do pounds uh, when it arrived in Germany. It's actually a requirement that they, whenever a body is sent from one country to another, that it's fully embalmed before travel because it'll just continue to decompose the way that this did. The requirement for the embalming is relates to the travel or relates to it should have been done anyway because of I don't quite understand. Should have been done in Malta. I mean it should it should have been done anyway. But should that be done post autopsy? Particularly because it's going Yes. Would there not be any requirement to have one done also in is it too late to do anything after it's been embalmed? Yes, I would assume so, right? Because it's changed the composition of something. Yeah, so so you need to do the embalming even though there's another autopsy to be done. Oh you can do that, can you? Okay. Not doing the embalming prevents that. Oh, okay. Radio, so you have to embalm. So I had that wrong way around. I thought it was the opposite. Well, because it just it just decays further. So it's also noted that the body has no organs. What? All right. Mm-hmm. None. So everything has been taken out. The the brain, heart, lungs, liver, pancreas, oh adrenal God. glands, right kidney, bladder, prostate, stomach, small intestine, and other organs are all gone. Why? And there's only a small fragmented part of the left kidney the diaphragm, spleen, and colon. And importantly, Mike was not an organ donor. So it is possible that the Maltese coroner took the organs out as part of the autopsy, and so Burnt follows up on this, and a Maltese medical examiner then tells Burnt that the organs were eaten from Mike's body before his body was found. All of them. They were what? Eaten? This is completely inconsistent. Apart from a little bit of the colon, a little bit of the kidney, or whatever it was. You know, no, I don't like that so much. Um, Everything no, no. else. Nom, did you nom, say, nom, you nom. did say eaten. I thought you said that word. Yeah. Yeah. What from mm. rats and, you know, oh, like no, animals. Okay. But, okay. but surely there'd be signs of. Yeah. Not to mention the brain. But there'd be signs of animal bites and stuff. Oh, you yeah. know, they chew you. They don't just cleanly incise it and remove <laughs> organs carefully. It's an excellent point you make. The, the eating is completely inconsistent with any report to date and was never mentioned by those who found Mike's body on the day. So you would think that somebody would have gone, oh, my God, it's half eaten or oh, whatever. Oh, parents. That never oh, came up. That's awful. Oh, could you imagine? No, I don't want to. It's the 
pit. <laughs> it's the right it's the right reply, Swanee. It's the right <laughs> reply. You don't want to. The public prosecutor's office in Oldenburg confiscates the body and what was a missing person case is now a criminal case. The German coroners are also unhappy as they were never given a copy of the report of the autopsy carried out in Malta. They state that due to the missing organs, the second autopsy can only reach extremely limited results, which cannot be compared to the results of the first autopsy. There are so many questions that need answering at this point, and the Mansholtz file a complaint through their lawyers calling on the court to order an investigation into how Mike's organs went missing, why they had not been returned with the corpse, and why it had been claimed that the body had been embalmed when it had not. German public prosecutors start working on the case and immediately suspect that a third party killed Mike and not surprisingly conclude that the Maltese pathologists did a poor job. They also order a new autopsy done in Germany this time. So medical examiners are present to provide legal certainty. They find no bite marks on the body and no evidence of rodent bites, Schmidt. Right. Except for a bite on the neck and an abrasion on the forearm. They openly dismiss the possibility of rodents eating the organs. It is also reconfirmed that Mike's body was intact when it was taken from the beach under the cliffs to the morgue in Malta without wounds or bite marks. But the most important autopsy results are that the body was not embalmed in Malta and as a result it is now too far decomposed to determine the cause of death. German investigators conclude that nothing indicates that Mike died from the 30 or so metre fall from the cliffs. There are no large wounds found on his skin. He has no broken bones, no broken ribs and no soft tissue damage or bruises. His spine was also intact. Internal bleeding cannot be ruled out due to the lack of organs. However, this is considered unlikely as internal bleeding would have been accompanied by bruises or damage on the outside of the body. They determine that a fall is practically impossible and they report this, but the Maltese stick to their story. Mm. Mike died in a tragic accident from a fall. And his organs just fell out. When they did their own (laughs) autopsy. They just fell out when he got to hit the bottom. At his bottom. They were eaten. But, but it, when they fell out, it, it cushioned his fall, so no bones were broken. Oh, right. Yeah, that, that mm. happens. Mm. And Maltese rats leave different bite marks to German <laughs> yeah. rats, so you wouldn't know what you're true, talking true. about. Yeah, so Mike died in a tragic accident. I do think there are Maltese rats in this story. <laughs> I'm just not there. Can you smell the them? animal variety, yeah. yeah. So they say when they did their own autopsy, three people were present, including a forensic doctor, the head of the forensic examination in Malta, Professor Mario Skerry. Skerry is a respected man in Malta and has won several awards for his work. Burnt emails a good professor to follow up on the inconsistencies. And the good professor writes back that the organs were already missing before the autopsy. They were eaten by rodents. He says that he shares this information with the head of the investigation in Malta. Dr Skerry also says that the Germans were wrong to state the body wasn't embalmed and that his dissectors embalmed the body using a formaldehyde solution as prescribed to my satisfaction. German investigators, however, do not believe that Mark died on the precise location where his body was found. They think that if he fell, he was still alive when he hit the beach and managed to drag himself to a place of shade under the overhang cliff. Suffocation cannot be ruled out as a cause of death by the German investigators. Schmidt, do you want to know why? Why? 
you're very good with this sort of stuff. Because Mike's hyoid bone is also missing. Oh, my God, you're shitting me. Do you know about the hyoid bone? Yeah, when you strangle someone, there's a little bone that breaks in. And that's... Yeah, the hyoid bone is a little U-shaped bone in the throat that usually breaks during strangulation. It's missing. It's not even broken. It's just not there. we don't know... We don't know this for a fact, and it certainly didn't come from the Maltese, but perhaps the uh, the rats ate that bone as well. Rats, rats, rats. Of course, it is possible that the Maltese coroner was sloppy and careless and arrogant and took all Mike's main organs out to do the autopsy on them and then forgot or didn't care to put them back. Mm. Oh, God, really? The conspiracy theorists... I think that's the most likely. ...the organs were put back because they, they showed a cause of oh, death. Yeah which the Maltese want to keep under wraps. The tourism industry is vital for the country after all and any evidence of a violent crime would be something else Maltese officials would have wanted to keep out of the I'll be honest, this is not doing a great thing for me wanting to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's not ideal. But to be fair, we didn't see any evidence of this one. One would hope not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we would have told you well before. Imagine if you did. Oh, God. Could you imagine? Mm. No. Maybe like a an art, scu- art sculpture made out of hyoid bones. Oh, In November 2017, Burned returns to Malta looking for answers and hoping to speak to the investigators. However, he gets the runaround. The lead inv- investigator, Inspector Butters, we were talking about Maltese names. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, they've got what funny English names, haven't they? Yeah. Inspector Butters. Uh, Inspector Butters cannot be reached as she is in court. When he tries to see a judge to get access That's to okay, all of the case Inspector files. That's okay because Inspector Margarine, she's available. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's a bit Can't plastic though. Not. When he tries to see a judge to get access to all of the case files, he's told the judge is off sick. No authority in Malta wants to talk about Mike. Unperturbed, Burnt enlists the help of a German diplomat in Malta who manages to get a hold of the file of Mike Manchol. Now... Brace yourselves, because this will shock you. The official file misses important documents, such as the autopsy results and photos of the scene where Mike was found. I mean, why would they be in there? <laughs> Burnt is filled with emotion, but focuses. I'm sure it wasn't positive emotion. There are a lot of words that were used to describe his emotions, and I thought I don't want to project those onto him, but I can only imagine what he was going through, but yes. Very not positive. Uh, so anyway, he focuses on what he needs to do and drives around the island to visit all of the places again. He meets the volunteers from the days of the search. Together they drive out to the cliffs. He places a plaque on the place where Mike was found under the cliffs as well as flowers. The plaque says, Mike Mansholt, you are loved and missed. Mm. Burnt then offers a €10,000 reward for any information on where Mike's organs, backpack, GoPro and belongings are as well as any of the other um, contents of the backpack. And on top of that, Burnt offers a €10,000 reward for whomever can prove how Mike has died. Burnt then gets inundated with calls, which all lead to nothing. He even goes as far as writing letters to the head of the police and to the president of Malta looking for answers. He wants full access to the file about his son's death. The case is still open in Germany, however, has been closed out in Mm. Malta. The Germans keep up the pressure and in January 2018, the Maltese ambassador and government reopened the case. The first documents arrived shortly afterwards in Germany. Local media pick up on the story and politicians in Parliament start to discuss the matter. 
and utter doubts are shared about the official findings. In April of 2018, Byrne finally receives the entire file on his son's death, including the autopsy results and the photos. Aside from a new 3D spatial analysis of the location of the body, there is only info about the day of the discovery. There is still no detailed autopsy report. There is only one single page which summarises the known statements, missing organs, animal feeding, cause of death unknown, and the file does not contain a single photograph of the site or the corpse. Burnt recalls that on the 26th of July, masses of photos were taken on the cliffs. The photos could at the very least prove that Mike was wearing the GoPro Mm. on his belt when he was found, but no such photos made it into the case file. Burnt is convinced that the Maltese authorities are on purpose not releasing the complete picture of the investigation. However, a new Maltese judge also rules that Mike fell off a cliff and died. Malta considers any other scenario a conspiracy (laughs) theory. Furthermore, German prosecutors rule that there are many inconsistencies in the case, but they also hit a brick wall and can do nothing more. To this point, they've been working diligently to get answers. And the German newspaper... Welt am Sonntag, which is mm, mein Handy, Welt am Sonntag. Sunday, Sunday <laughs> News. Or... <laughs> they, so they did a lot of research in the case and found it difficult to get any further comment. So they chased a few different people. The Maltese forensic physician, who would seem it has the most explaining to do, remained silent. Mm. The policewoman, who repeatedly rebuffed Byrne's request, did not even (laughs) respond. There was no reply from the Prime Minister's office. However, bear in mind that the Prime Minister at the time was was Joseph Musket. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot going on in Malta at this time. (laughs) The Maltese police announced later that objectively speaking, there was no doubt about the fairness, independence and objectivity of That's the That's right. There was no doubt. There wasn't any. There was no doubt that there was no fairness, objectivity. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and independence. independence. Yeah. yeah. Given all of this, and understandably, Burnt is exhausted and demoralised. He decides to stop pushing for more answers and to focus on his family and remaining children instead. He thinks that we'll never know for sure what happened to Mike and doesn't want to listen to any more lies. Mm. And he's right. It's unlikely we will ever know what happened to Mike. However, there are a number of theories. Would you like to run through those? Sure. I mean, the correct answer is Mm. yes. (laughs) The first one, and Schmidt, you touched on this earlier, uh, the absence of all his major organs makes some people suspect organ theft. The theory goes that Mike was killed for his organs, then stitched up and dumped, making it look like he had an accident. And there was that anonymous tip about the location of Mike's body. The biggest hole in theory is why would organ traffickers go to the trouble of placing the body where they did? Wouldn't they just make it disappear, destroying any possible Mm. evidence? And even if there were organ traffickers on the island, it seems far more likely they'd go for a local rather than the uh, young, white, affluent-looking German whose disappearance would uh, definitely create a media Mm, sensation. It's also worth noting that organ trafficking is not something Malta is known for. So we probably no, it's just cast known for corruption. Distortions yeah. at Malta. And super yachts. Mm. Where are the hotspots for um, organs? And super yachts. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, where is known for organ trafficking? Organ trafficking is what I didn't go I didn't go into <laughs> that, but funny funny you should ask. And also your mate Scarlet Blog, who did a very good job of this. <laughs> did make a point of saying that if this was in South America, it might be more plausible. Another option is uh, Maltese journalist Dr. Veronique Dali, classic 
um, Maltese name, Swanee, <laughs> believes that something sinister happened and that Mike was killed and his body was planted below the cliff. Burnt also believes that the only plausible scenario is that Mike met foul play. He believes there were at least two people at the scene, Mike and the person who took the backpack. Police and forensic medicine specialists in Germany cannot rule out third-party fault causing Mike's death. They were able to rule out death through injury of the skull. He did not suffer any blunt force trauma or a gunshot wound to the head. But other causes of violent death remain all possible, especially internal bleeding or suffocation. And because the hyoid bone was missing, it is impossible not to rule out if Mike was strangled. It's impossible to rule anything out. Literally, they've done a great job of covering it up, whatever it was. Even if it was innocent. But it's just all this nonsense, like removing the organs and refusing to give any information and having no photos and all the rest of it. Like it could have been an accident, but now no one's ever going to believe that. Yeah, correct. So there's also theories that he was accidentally shot and between the rocks of the cliffs there are iron bars where they attach food to to attract birds so they lie in waiting and, and kill the birds and so there's theories that perhaps he was shot by somebody who was bird shooting and there were cartridge cases but there's around. no evidence of shot however of gunshot wounds to him Gun there's yeah. no evidence yeah. of shots in the body of what's so, left of the body yeah. uh, and exactly <laughs> so suicide was another option or death by suicide however that was pretty much ruled out by everyone because mike was happy he had his life was full of plans he was in love and without any signs of mental illness or depression However, medication, poison or suffocation cannot be ruled out or proven because of the missing organs. There's also an interesting one around dehydration or sunstroke, which goes something along the lines of, you know, he's completely exhausted from cycling around the island. He's weakened and had not had enough water to drink. He rides to the top of the cliffs and at some point gets a flat tyre. He then encounters a narrow path that winds down uh, it leads through a wide open gate, which is actually there. Perhaps Mike made his way along the path to where it ends in front of a rock face. This is near where the police found his body. Um, Mike's bike hung a few feet above that spot in the bush. His sunglasses and sports shoes were a little farther down. So he may have taken them off due to the heat. While hot, exhausted and dehydrated, he didn't know what to do. Should he cycle all the way back, especially with a flat tyre? He was an in, he was an experienced climber, so it's possible that he could have had the crazy idea to climb the 30 metres with the mountain bike on his shoulders, then fainted, dropping his bike. He then comes to, lies down in the shallow of the boulder, and then he may have succumbed to heat stroke or dehyd- dehydration. It's a stretch, but it's possible. Imagine just. thinking, that of all the things that you've said so far, I still think, thinking I might just crawl up that mountain and have my bike on my back. <laughs> Even if I was an accomplished I know, climber, right? I would be like, Never. yeah, I'll get a shot. Yeah, that should work. I've seen that in a movie. <laughs> and then there's the one of the accidental fall, which is the Maltese version, which just seems highly unlikely. But I think the, the bit where that may fit is that he wasn't dead on impact and managed to drag himself under the rock ledge. Mm. He removes his shoes. But it's weird that his bike wasn't badly damaged. And no brakes. And he only had a bit of a chew mark on one bit and a scratch here. Yeah, like not enough damage to his body to suggest he's fallen from a height. Yeah. These these scenarios work on the assumption that the missing organs were due to the incompetence of the medical examiner, either forgetting to put them back in or donating them on behalf of Mike. And also he didn't embalm the body properly. But if this occurred, why not just own up to it? Why cover it up? In 2015, 
our journalist Daphne Caruana Galizia, who has since been murdered, obviously, well, as listeners to our show would know, (laughs) reported on the Maltese doctor and parliamentarian Etienne Grec, who boasted that as a medical student, he often took organs from the morgue home to study in peace. So she's kind of noticed that there's some odd stuff going on. What I think has most likely happened, and it's it's not very definitive at all, is that he was killed by a third party, either deliberately or accidentally. They then placed his body where it was found, staging it to look like he fell and stole his backpack with the valuables. And there are two other cases that led me to think that this is more likely. So on the 9th of May 2015, a little over a year before Mike's death, another man was found dead on the Maltese rocks under similar circumstances, although not identical. So 22-year-old Dutchman Justin Plett had been working in a casino in Malta as a gaming employee before policemen found his lifeless body in the early morning on the rocks of St George's Cresta Key near Paceville, fully clothed and in the fetal position facing the mm. sea. There were scratches and blue spots visible on his face and hands. His family instantly suspected that the lively young man had been drugged and robbed that night. His wallet and mobile phone were missing. The autopsy found that Justin had suffered a heart attack, but the cause of it has yet to be established. Until this day, his parents, Eric and Margit, believe that Justin was drugged before being robbed and the drugs caused his heart failure. If you believe the autopsy. They pointed to a similar incident. Because I'm starting to question the validity Correct. of autopsies in yes. Malta. Yeah. So, yes. So they pointed to a similar incident and the second one that I was referring to that same weekend involving a Spanish-Italian young man. When I say the same weekend, the same weekend as Justin's death, not Mike's, involving a Spanish-Italian young man who had woken up in a nearby spot with his phone, wallet and ID card missing and he claimed he had been drugged. His parents said that he described being like a puppet with no will. So there was also a number of other deaths of people on the island that have gone on for years, you know, people who died when they're in a bus and low-hanging branches took them out. What? And then there was a woman who was riding a bike and hit by a cement mixer. So, like, the, the point of it is there were these deaths that happened and they've been fighting to work out what's gone on and, you know, for a decent explanation for, you know, four or five years. So, Schmidt, to your point about the autopsies, there's some form in this mm. space. So I think that's possibly most likely what happened. The bit I can't work out is a loss of organs. So, you know, was it a stuff up by the coroner or a cover-up? Partially because I just don't understand why you'd go to such lengths to hide a stuff up. Although, granted, we have seen that people will go to extraordinary lengths at times for this sort of thing. And the other thing is that given it did happen around the same time as the murder of Daphne, we know there's some red-hot examples of corruption from Mm. the government. So it's possible but unlikely that the Maltese officials instructed the coroner to get rid of the evidence of this crime in order to protect the tourist industry on the island. I can't understand why you would do that. There's no evidence of that. But but a couple of things I read alluded to that being a, a possibility. So also to close out, I just wanted to finish on Mike. So on September the 4th, 2016, Mike's ashes were strewn out into the Jade Bight Bay of the North Sea, close to his hometown. His father, Burnt, hopes that Mike will now always be close to him 
on every shore of this earth. And that is the story of the tragic and scary, disheartening story of Mark. It's scary, isn't it? I don't like that one. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I don't like it. Oh, I don't. I'm not comfortable with the missing organs. I'm not comfortable with that at all. You've given me one of those ones, Clarky, that makes me bristle. It's sort of like I don't, I'm not comfortable with any of it. There's no answers for that. Those poor parents. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like you don't, if you haven't suffered enough, you know, a couple of answers would go a long way, right, to understanding what had occurred and just just so you can, um, you can never put it behind you, but so you can deal with it. There's nothing for them except a fucking web of lies and, you know, half truth. So I guess maybe it's probably a better way of looking at it and information that suits different players at different times. It's awful. Those poor, poor people. I, th- I think you're right. And it's not only, I mean, the death is hard enough. The so stuff afterwards, it's worse. That run around. Yes. Like, you know, p- people understand murders happen and that, Governments aren't necessarily responsible for them. But an autopsy to lose all the organs and to not get embalmed. The thing that annoys me with the autopsy situation is that they entirely and immediately implied that the organs were never there to start with when the body has arrived. To say they've been eaten, you know, it suggests that, oh, no, that's just how we found it, with everything bar Mm. a bit of colon and a bit of... (laughs) your diaphragm left what like it's vivisected and you're trying to tell me animals did that how'd they get the organs out without biting i mean it just doesn't make sense does it they were there and you would take photos of that anyway. Oh, that's why like there's no would, photos you know, in the you'd file. Say, Here's what the body that's why there's like nothing because it's like, the... well, then that proves that there are actually organs when it got here, and you know. But if you'd got the, there, the, and there were well, there obviously, of... like you know, our new assistant, our intern assistant, got a bit overexcited and you know donated them for science or something, or chucked them in the bin. But just tell someone, just say, look, I'm sorry, yeah, they were destroyed. That's what I think. We had them, but they were destroyed. That happens. Things do go wrong, you know. But I, uh, if it was missing at the time, yeah. whatever else, those that crime scene when they first got there would have been very different, and they would have know, possibly thought it was a murder. They would have been their shit, right? And going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, we've got a, we've got a, you know, a an animal out, on the loose. We've got a yeah. hollowed out body here. You know, we've this, got some, this someone's is not, on the island. This is trouble. This is not, right? Oh, I'm sorry, he's died from head exhaustion, and, yeah, yeah. and this is the state of a body that we typically find. With no organs when someone's died of heat exhaustion. What? Yeah. This wasn't spontaneous combustion. They wouldn't have been running around not saying anything either. That would have been all the news. That's it, you know, yeah. Like, the policeman wouldn't have been going, I'm not sure if I saw his GoPro on his belt because I was, I was blown away by the fact that there was nothing there yeah. to. Yeah, I was a bit, you know, distracted by the void. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So anyway, I'm sending everyone who works in the forensic medical fraternity back to school. They need to seriously go through a couple of certs, one, <laughs> a good one start. to advance diploma and then a bachelor's and then an honours degree. They can go back to school got for cert one in years. Do you have that at like the TAFE? Cert one no, in no, farming? No. <laughs> well, Autopsy I reckon work. someone who did cert one in farming <laughs> would have done a better job than I these know, jokers. Right? I've, I've got my cert one autopsy Studies. Is it only cert one? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to make it as size five. All you learn in that is handling of formaldehyde. Cert one in yeah. Malta. No, no, no. You just got to learn your handling of formaldehyde. <laughs> Where'd that's you get your degree? Job. Malta. 
Oh, you know, I've studied. Ooh, oh. cutting. <laughs> a similar <laughs> insult. <laughs> I was thinking of you the other day, Schmidt. I saw this meme also, and it was like, I'm wondering aloud, you know, do students in the US walk around with, you know, sweatshirts on that say such and such TAFE, like we walk around and we say, you know, you know uh, Harvard or, or Yale yeah. or whatever, all those yeah. kind of things. And I was going to I was going to send you one asking about a particular educational institution that you know of. <laughs> uh, well, at one point we thought about <laughs> creating shirts and I can tell yeah. you that a lot of our students have uniforms with our brand on it. So the answer is yes. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah, and they're quite proud of it. Anyway, that's not normally the point. It's normally that the, the point was that people who have nothing to do and no affiliation with the school or whatever else, they're the ones who do wear it. So it would be people in the US wearing. Oh, several, I know what you mean. Just you people who've never mean. gone to Harvard. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, the Harvard yeah, of course. Shirts. Right, right, right. It's like you know all these Australians wandering yeah. around market. with you know. Mm. It's a new market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Guilty. We've got we've done it in our house. That's for UCLA. sure. Yeah. yeah, I've done yeah. that actually. Yeah. I remember yeah. going to UCLA to get a sweatshirt. I think I honestly wore it for ten years. It just lasted, lasted. It was incredible. <laughs> anyway, so I'm as much to blame as anyone on that. Valetta tape. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> cert one autopsy. Not worth <laughs> the paper it's printed on. <laughs> no, no, autopsy. autopsy. Yeah, autopsy. formaldehyde handling. Maybe it was like you know Valetta tape. You know when you pull something apart and you've got to put it back oh, this together, is too hard. and you just I think go, they could have shoved it. Oh, they have shoved it back hard. in. I've tried three times, and you should have taken a photo Let before I did this. The knee bones connected to the thigh bone. What goes here? But there's not a song about organs. No, it's crazy oh, the work that someone or some no, oh, it's going to be someone's done on that corpse. though. bloody hell. Maybe they just got angry. They tried for hours to put it all back together and just fucking lost I think their shit. Tragically, probably it was more not possible. Much more lazy than that. They were just like, mm, take it all out. Okay, get rid of it. And oh yeah, we'll just no, send it to Germany. Yeah. Oh shit, we haven't put them back in. Mm, don't embalm it. It'll all be soupy by the time it gets there. No one will notice. Yeah, feed them, feed them to the rats, and then we can say the rats ate them. Well, honestly, lying. I mean, you know, that's a bit of a stretch, I know, to go that far. But the whole story is such nonsense. As in the story that the the, the, the back forensics of, or the medical examiner has come up with. Yeah, and I'm I'm so biased and by the Daphne case that I did last time. When I look at this, I just go, I can see so many things that I would normally discount because you think you're dealing with in a different reality. I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and I got a second it's, what um, Swanee said earlier. I'm not going to Malta in a hurry after these stories. No, I, I don't know if you guys have doing like the anti-tourism. <laughs> no, I'm in no hurry to get there now. Sort your shit out. I totally expect to go back at some point, but yeah, I understand maybe why others wouldn't. I think you're probably right. I think I think his initial death would have been uh, it's less likely to be accidental. Maybe a robbery or yeah. you know someone's killed him. Just you know, it hap- you're right. It happens, and they've stolen things. But from the moment that his body, well, actually, from the moment that someone reported him missing, nothing was handled well. No. Four days before the family mm. discovered that he's missing. Yeah, and he's 17. You know, no one's contacted his mother or anything like that or the girlfriend who was there, nothing like that. Then you've got just this kind of cack handling of the everything. Oh, it's just a comedy of errors in some ways, except that no one accepts that there are errors or admits to errors. 
And clearly that yeah, corruption yeah, is all the way right? through. Like no one is going to say anything. They're all holding ranks and going, no, I'm not, nothing to say. I'm not even going to answer the phone. Just nothing to say here. Yep. And that that's why yep. I can totally see how the tourism minister has KPIs and these things don't go with the KPIs. And given what we spoke about in the last story from Malta, maybe that shit does go on there. Like Because it's just such a whole lot of dumbassery otherwise. Like, do that many people get they, it wrong? They can, I think. I All right, so to sentencing. Go on, Swanee. I don't know. I normally work out who I'm most angry with. Just can you sentence an entire country? <laughs> Sorry, that sounds. Oh, now I'm going to come across it as racist. Then, but like a regime, yeah, yeah, yeah. or oh god, that's that was very topical. I shouldn't have said that. Um, Maybe a coup. Let the people rise up and get rid of all these corrupt people. People are entitled to the truth, right? That's what's awful about the situation. Is I'm sure that people mm. have lovely lives and it all goes on, but you know things get to a point where that does start to impact and impinge on all of their their lives and the way things are run because then people never really know. You can't trust anything around truth. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I was thinking at one point I thought I wondered if it was somebody in these, you know, these you know, it would take one person who was somehow connected, you know, someone's son or daughter did something they shouldn't have done and, and then so they're trying to get rid of it and, you know, it has echoes of that kind of thing mm. where you think, oh, what would they stop at? Well, these people don't stop at anything until someone's dead. They just try and murder their way through uh, things that are an inconvenience for them to continue to do what they do. It's an interesting story, but I don't, I don't quite know how to punish. Yeah, it's funny, right? Because we're not, we're not even thinking of sentencing and judging the person who may have done no. the murder because it's all just about the incompetency again. And I think in in corrupt regimes, people get to the point where they don't want to speak up, they don't want to say anything because, and and someone actually said this to us when we were in China, and I'm not saying they're a corrupt regime, <laughs> but the best, thing to, the best thing to do is to not get noticed, yeah. right? As soon as you get noticed, yeah. then everything changes. Yeah. So you don't want to speak up. And, and Swanee, in your last story, we kind of heard that from the deputy attorney who said, you know, she got killed because she gave evidence effectively, yeah. even though it was only yeah. evidence to, that linked him to being part yeah. of a gang. Why, why would you yeah, speak up? You why would you, you do anything? You just want to be invisible, wouldn't you? Those are the consequences. Nothing to look at here. I'm not looking. I'm not involved. Yep, I totally agree with that. Be horrifying. So if you're in, if you're in the medical fraternity and this happens, what do you do? Do you say what you think should have happened, or do you just shut up and go? Oh yeah, not my pay grade. Yeah. The company it's, line. Is there anyone that you want to sentence, Schmitty? Me? Well, I was originally for a while there um, pretty annoyed with this, whoever has done this autopsy or has, yeah. you know, been putting this smoke screen in front of the family. So in a very harsh way I was going to put them in the car that our oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Death Death was driving <laughs> for a bit, which does seem pretty harsh, I know. So then I thought, well, that's probably a bit mean. So, I, yeah, I think maybe I'm just going to have to send them to start again and go back to school, yeah, which is pretty painful in its own right, but not at Malta TAFE. They have to start somewhere else, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere perhaps, perhaps more reputable with more compliance, stringent compliance around learning. So I reckon the the coroner, whoever it was that did the autopsy, should be sentenced to a life from this point on of incompetency. 
but not of themselves, but of every dealing they have with other people. So they just can't get a straight answer (laughs) with anything. So whenever they try to, you know, take money out from the bank, it's so frustratingly difficult because of incompetence or, you know, they go to the doctor and get misdiagnosed 48 times before they realise that they've got the flu and just need to rest for two days or just that constant frustration because that's the to me that's the the crime that there have to be photos of what that body looked like when it came in and there have to be photos of what it looked like at the end and you know there should be so many photos from that autopsy and all they need to do is look at them and be honest and go here's what happened and that takes away it doesn't solve the problem it doesn't make the death easier but it takes away all of that angst that gets created otherwise and and I think they need to suffer that from this point on. Mm. So it's a punishment of mediocre administration. I swear I must have done something similar at some point in my life because I suffer from (laughs) mediocre administration as a punishment. It's the the most infuriating thing, isn't it? I'm thinking it's pretty harsh, so I think it's a good sentence, yeah. I can't stand that when someone didn't die, let alone I would be total Michael Douglas in falling down (laughs) if that happened to me. I don't know how people hold their shit together. Thank you for another really frustrating and sad story. (laughs) Really appreciate it, Clarky. feel like, you know, you had the the Greek one was hilarious and now you've just slipped back and returned to form, but never mind. And as we say (laughs) every week, miss you already. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.